0: Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do this morning, uh, you open up to Matthew. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, we're going to be hitting a couple of different things uh, this morning, but we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 26, um, about verse 41 or so. And so, if you want to turn there, would appreciate it. And uh, let's have a quick word of uh, prayer. Father God, I thank you for today, Lord, and I thank you for your many blessings. And I thank You for those that we're able to honor this morning as graduates, Lord. Lord, I pray that Your hand would be upon them as they go out into the world. And Father, I pray that You would put a desire in them to love You, to serve You, to live for You. But I pray that You'd give them wisdom as they get into the next stage of life, Lord. And so I pray that Your hand of blessing, of strength, of wisdom, of guidance, of discernment, would be upon each and every one of them, Lord. And Lord, I pray that Your hand would be upon us as we get into Your Word this morning. And Jesus, I pray that we, You would help us to see You today and to glean from You, to learn from You. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day once again to all the dads out there. This is what happens on Father's Day. This doesn't happen on Mother's Day. I sat down for us to sing the first song, and my second born, which I won't mention Josiah's name, But he leans over to me, he goes, why isn't there a happy kid's day? Like, this, only, this doesn't happen on Mother's Day. It only happens on, why isn't there a Happy Kids Day, Dad? I'm like, well, you, I feed you every day. So this is what's going on right before the first song. Like, I feed you every day and you have uh, you know, a birthday. And he goes, well, there's Happy Mother's Day and Happy Father's Day. Why not Happy Kids Day? I go, you know what? We'll, we're, we'll talk about this later. But that only happens on Father's Day. Uh, but um, this is my 15th uh, Father's Day. I know that because Noah is 15 years old and so there's a lot of easy math in there. Um, Being a dad is amazing. I get beat up. Uh, It happens, I get beat up. Uh, I get laughed at. I get ignored, right? I get ignored all the time. Uh, I think my kids have secret meetings with each other on how to annoy me. if you're not there yet with your kids, trust me, um, you'll get there. But being a dad, I love being a dad. I love all my kids, and I'm so proud of each and every one of them. Uh, being a dad is an amazing blessing, and it's a huge thing. Um, because the dad, the father, teaches. Uh, the father teaches in so many ways. Over the years, I've taught my kids how to cut grass and shovel snow, I've taught my kids how to annoy their mothers, which is, you know, I'll stand back go, I did a really good job teaching them. Uh, they do a really, really good job at annoying Amy. Uh, as a dad, I have to stop fights constantly, like constantly. Every single day when I walk in the door, I have to disarm something. Uh, I have to get people to talk to each other, listen to each other, hear one another, uh, some of you, uh, Tom will feel my pain, but he's not quite there yet. Like, he has to get some of the, the personalities more developed in his house. When you have four kids and then two parents in the house, that's six people. So imagine managing six different personalities in a household. That is fun, right? That is fun. Uh, they drive me nuts, but I, I, I love them. But as a dad, I get to teach my kids about Jesus. And one of the lines that I used to say a lot of when my kids were younger is, whatever the behavior they were doing, I would say, you know, what you're doing does not honor God, nor is it good for you. And then I would go and I would explain to them how it doesn't honor God and why it's not good for them at the same point. The role of a dad is filled with so much that God has given to a dad to do. And this morning on Father's Day, I was thinking, how do I bring together Father's Day and prayer? Like, how do I... I, 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 Weld those two things together because we've been talking about prayer last week and this week and, and next week. And so I want us to see, and man, I, I need you to get this, and, and this is for anybody, but the role of anybody, a, a woman, a mom, a dad, a, a, a man, is to be a person of prayer. Dad, you got to hear me on this. Prayer is vital to you and your role as a father. On Mother's Day this year, we looked at the noble character of a godly woman. And we talked about women as a whole, not just moms on that day. And so men, I'm going to do the same thing with us this morning. And ladies, don't tune out, because ladies, what we talk about this morning is also uh, good for you as well. But I'm going to lean a little bit more towards the men because it's Father's Day. And so men, you need to grab this and run with this. Godly men are men of prayer because the God-man is a man of prayer. Did you get that? Godly men are men of prayer because the God-man was a man of prayer. And so I have two points for you. Watch and pray. And the second is man of prayer. And so let's start. Watch and pray. i got to set the scene for you before we get into the Scriptures. Remember, we're in a topical series, so we're bouncing all over the place. Where we're picking up in Matthew chapter 26 is the Garden of Gethsemane. And many of you know that. You know the account. You know the story. And so I just want to paint this picture for you. It's been a very long day. It's been a Thursday. It's been a very long day. And Jesus is getting ready to celebrate the Passover with His disciples. And so what Jesus has done early in the morning that day, is He looked at Peter and John and He goes, John, Peter, you guys need to go out and you need to set up for the Passover. And so Peter and John, they had to go find the location. They would have had to get the table set up and the silverware ready. They would have had to go and select the lamb that needed to be sacrificed at the temple and go through all of that. Have the lamb sacrificed. Bring it back. Roast it. Get all the other food together. Get everything set up. Think of Thanksgiving Day. The whole day of preparation for the meal later in the day. Peter, John are doing that. And so finally, later later in the evening... Jesus and the rest of the disciples show up and they meet Peter and John there in the upper room and they sit down and they have what we call the Passover, the Jewish Passover feast. And this Passover feast, it would have taken a couple hours long. That's how long they took it. It wasn't, let's eat it in 20 minutes and move on to the football game like we do on Thanksgiving. This is a couple hours. And so they're eating over a couple hours. And so how do you feel... After a long day, a long meal with a full belly. You start to get a little bit tired. But Jesus isn't done yet. The meal is all wrapped up. Jesus is taught. He's washed the feet. He's had the first communion with the men. But Jesus goes, I'm not done yet. He goes, we have to go one other place. And He goes, we got to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they leave Jerusalem. They come down the valley. They go, start going up the Mount of Olives and they enter into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus leaves the disciples at the gate, if you would, of the Garden of Gethsemane. And then He takes three disciples with Him. Peter, James, and John. And if you want to know why He only takes those three, stay for Sunday school class because I'm talking about the same thing this morning. He takes Peter, James, and John and they go deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Jesus looks at those three men And he goes, Man, I I have one request for you. I'm going to go over there and pray. And what I need you to do is stay here and pray for me. It's not a hard request, is it? Not a hard request to have somebody, will you pray for me? Like we can all do that. But remember, long day, full bellies, late at night. How are you feeling? Tired. We're ready for bed. We know that feeling. And so Jesus, He goes off to pray because He is wrestling with and struggling with what lies ahead of Him. And that is the cross. It is here that Jesus seeks the Father and asks His dad, He goes, Dad, is there another way Is there another way that I could bring about salvation? Is there another way that I could pay for sin and and go about it in a different way where I don't have to be arrested and beaten and flogged and crucified? Is there another way for me to do this? And ultimately, Jesus gets to the point where He goes, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. And so Jesus prayed. Because that is what Jesus did a lot of. Jesus is often known as the man of sorrow. How many of you have ever heard Jesus called the man of sorrows? A lot of you. But did you know that Jesus is also the man of prayer? Jesus' whole ministry was filled with, marked by prayer. If you read the Gospels and you read them slow enough, you'll see that it says Jesus went here to pray. Jesus went off to pray. Jesus woke up early to pray. Jesus went out late at night to pray. Jesus spent all night praying. Jesus was praying and praying and praying all the time. It marked His life and His ministry left and right. And so it's really no surprise that on this night, Jesus goes off and He prays. And so what Jesus does is He goes off and He prays. And He comes back. To Peter, James, and John, and he finds them asleep. And so he wakes them up. He goes, Come on, pray. Just pray for me. Like, why can't you do this? So he wakes them up, and then he goes off and he prays again. And then he comes back a second time, and guess what? The three men are asleep. And so then Jesus says this to him In Matthew chapter 26, verses 40 to 41. Then he, Jesus, returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now Jesus will go off and pray one more time, and he'll come back and find them asleep again, but we're here in these words. How would you feel if in your time of need, the people closest to you kept falling asleep on you? Jesus says to them, watch and pray. And it is those three words that have hung in my mind for three weeks. Watch and pray. Jesus gives them a call, a command to do something, to watch and pray. But here's the thing. I don't think it's a call from Jesus just to Peter, James, and John. I think... It's a call to each and every one of us, even to this day, that you and I are to watch and pray. Men, this is a call for you and I every single day of our lives. It's a call to us. It is part of the role as men, as fathers, to watch and pray. This world needs more men to watch and to pray. Men, you are so needed in so many ways in this world, especially in this area, in the home, in the town, in the community, in the church, that part of the role of men is to watch and pray. But what does it mean to watch and pray? Because Jesus calls us to something, and if we don't know what that is, then how are we supposed to do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. We talked about what prayer is last week, and we said last week that prayer is conversing with God. That sometimes your prayer life might be silent because you just don't have the words. To, you don't have the words. And I said last week, sometimes your prayer is just groaning. You just can't get the words out. And sometimes it's just talking to God. And so prayer is conversing with our Father about everything and anything. And so we got the prayer part of this, but what does it mean to Watch. The word watch simply means to this. It means to have an alertness of a guard at night. You're a watchman. man. did you know you're a watchman? Fathers, did you know you are a watchman? That you're watching, looking, searching, scanning for anything that is out of place, anything that is wrong so that you can react rightly. You're to guard. You're to act as a guard and, and scan. One of the things that, one of the roles of a dad is guarding your family. I do that all the time. I don't know if my family realizes this all the time. It's really bad because I, I have OCD, uh, and if I get start getting stressed out in a restaurant, I will count the number of people in that restaurant and then be, be able to tell you if they're right-handed or left-handed. And if it gets really bad, I'll start to tell you, count the number of people that are wearing wedding, wedding rings too. Like that's like my mind will go that far. But part of my job as a father is to, to guard my family. And so when we're out and about, or we're outside, I'm always guarding and scanning who's around, what's different. Because that's part of my role, is to guard my family. Men, dads. You and I are called to watch for anything that is wrong, sinful, false, that is trying to come into your family, into your home, into your church, so that you can respond in the right way. And part of that response is to pray about it. So dads, what's coming into your home? What's coming into your family that is not right and godly? You're responsible to guard against it. Men as a whole, what about our church? Are you watching it? Praying for it? Is there nothing wrong and false is coming into it? Now I know as men, we hear something that we should do, and what do we often do? Eh. Why? Why should I do that? Garbage needs to be taken out. Well, why? I could just push it down a little bit more and just wait longer, right? Men are always like this. I and mean, sometimes I think we do it just because we're, we're stubborn. Uh, sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. And so, men, you hear the watch and pray. Why do it? Why do it? Well, go back to this verse. I'm going to pull out the fancy dancy red light because it's Father's Day and it gives me something else to do. Ready? Ready men? Watch and pray. You got that. You with me? Okay, he's kind of weak on that, right? Remember, this is all. This depends on how long the sermon goes. Are you with me? Yes. There, there, you go, Bob. I like that. You, you go. So, watch and pray. Those are our three words, right? Why are we to watch and pray? So that. I know I sound as a broken record. I've been telling you this for sixteen years. When you see the word therefore, the phrase so that, and the word but in the scripture, you need to pause because it is very telling. Jesus goes, watch and pray. And men go, why? I don't feel like it. Ladies, you do the same thing, right? I'm just leaning more towards men. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Why do you fall into temptation? Because you're not watching and praying. Temptation comes in so many ways. Men, you know this. Dads, you know this. Jesus goes watch to see what those temptations are. Guard your life against those temptations. Guard your family against those temptations. Pray about it. How are those things attacking you? Watch and pray so that you don't fall in temptation. Men, this is true for us, but it's also true for women. You and I lose in life. We lose to temptation. We lose to sin. Because we're not praying about it. We're not praying about it. We're not on guard against it. We lose and we give ourselves into temptation. We lose sight of the important things in life. We lose sight of who we are. We lose sight of who Jesus is. We lose sight of what Christ has called us to because we're not watching and praying. That's why it's important that your family loses and falls into temptations and struggles with things because you as a dad are not watching and praying. That's why. Jesus calls us to be a people, a church, a mom, a woman, a man, a dad of prayer. He calls you to that so that you don't fall. You need to be on guard. You need to be watching. And you need to be praying. We go, how? How am I supposed to do that? Well, how we do that is by looking at the man of prayer. Because when it comes to anything in life, we go, how am I supposed to do that? Look at Jesus. You look to Jesus. Paul tells in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Everything that God the Father is is seen in Jesus because Jesus is God. He's the visible image of the invisible Father. And so Jesus gives us, he sets the example, the tone for us in our lives. Well, how do I do this? Look to Jesus. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus interact with people? How did Jesus share the gospel with people? How did Jesus love people? How did Jesus serve people? How did Jesus rebuke people? Here's one. How did Jesus pray? If I asked you and pulled you aside on your way out this morning and I pulled you aside, and go, can you tell me how, what Jesus' prayer life looked like? Could you answer me? And don't give me the Our Father. Because that's the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer. We've talked about that. Can you tell me what Jesus' prayer life looked like? Because when you look at Jesus and His prayer life, then you start to learn... What prayer is. Men, how did you learn things in your life? A lot of different ways, right? I can tell you this, that men are very visual. And one of the best ways that men learn is by watching. We watch somebody else do something. Men, dads, there's many things in your life, the only reason you know is because you watch another guy do it father, a grandfather, an uncle. And so we need to look to Jesus because Jesus was a man of prayer. And so when we look at Him, we could learn from Him. But here's something I want you to think on this morning. Jesus, God in the flesh, was a man of prayer. Why? I'm not answering that. I want you to think on that. Why did Jesus pray so much? Why was prayer such a necessity in his life? I want you to see the man of prayer this morning. And I want you to see that Jesus prayed and that He prayed a lot. And I want you to glean some things from the prayer life of Jesus that would better help you to be a person that watches and prays. So that you would be men, women... Fathers, mothers of prayer. Because you're learning it from Jesus. And so I only have four things for you. I know we had seven last week. You're a little disappointed that there's less this week. What can we learn from Jesus when it comes to prayer? I have four things to you, but I'm going to warn you. If you honestly allow God to speak to you on the first two, it's going to be very difficult. Okay? men you're not going to like the first one okay grieve your losses in prayer in Matthew chapter 14 don't read ahead on me some of you are already reading ahead don't okay don't read ahead Matthew chapter 14 verses 11 13 his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother okay what do we do with that it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was just beheaded. And his head was literally delivered to a woman who hated him on a platter. Okay? So then we go on to read this. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Okay, well, that's always good to you get your body buried. Right? Then we read this. Don't read ahead of me. Then they went and told Jesus, pause. Don't read, don't look at the screen. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to assume that many of you have gotten the phone call that a loved one has passed away. I've been there. That is an incredibly difficult position to be in. Well, Pastor, why are you talking about a loved one passing away with John the Baptist being beheaded? John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. I'm not talking about the best friend who lives down the street that you call cousin. I mean legitimately blood cousins, Jesus and John the Baptist were. And John the Baptist, he lived his life and he he pointed people to Jesus. Jesus, He literally says that he's the greatest man who ever lived apart from himself, Jesus says. They were cousins. They were family. John just had his head severed. His followers come get John's body. They bury it. And then they go and tell Jesus, Jesus... Your cousin was just beheaded. He's dead. So what's going on with Jesus? Well, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately, private, boat privately to a solitary place. Now if you were to keep reading, when Jesus got to the place where He's going, there was people there and He actually ministered to them. But Jesus was alone in the boat for this whole trip, however long it was. Jesus needed to process and grieve His loss. Did you know that? Jesus needed to process and grieve His loss. What does Jesus do when He gets to Lazarus? He weeps, crying. And he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in five minutes, but yet he's bawling. What do you think Jesus is doing here when his cousin is dead and he knows he's not raising him from the dead, that John's gone and Jesus isn't going to see him until he's back in the heaven? He's grieving. From a human side of things, Jesus needed to go and process and grieve. This is true for all, but men, you have lost in life. You have lost loved ones. You have lost jobs. You have lost in relationships. You have lost in your behavior. You have lost in your walk with Jesus at times. You have lost loved ones who have died. Man, you have had others in your life that were like a brother to you. And all of a sudden, their behavior changes. Man, there have been times where you've had to take the the knife out of your back because you were stabbed in the back by somebody. And you can still feel the pain. Men, you have lost in life. And ladies, you have as well. And men, I know you will not admit it. But many of the losses that you have endured in your life are still there. Ladies, same thing, they are still there. And you walk with them and you carry them and you feel them because you have not grieved them and processed them with the Lord in prayer. And they impact your daily life. And a lot of times they impact your daily life negatively. Maybe it's because you don't think you'll be man enough if you deal with it. Maybe it's because you don't want to deal with the pain. Hurt. Loss hurts. Loss always hurts. But there is healing in Jesus. To watch and pray means that you need to be on guard for what is attacking you, what is gripping you, what is kicking your heart and your soul from the inside. Those at times are those losses that you have not grieved. That you have not processed. That you have not truly conversed with God about and wrestled with God in the pain and the hurt. That you have not dealt with the role and the sin that you have played in those losses. You have not dealt with those. And you carry that. Some of you, you carry the pain and the sin that somebody has done to you. That where they have hurt you greatly, that they have, caused, they have sinned against you greatly, and you hold on to that, and you carry that weight, and you, you haven't grieved it, you haven't processed it with God, and you're trying to carry that burden by yourself, and it impacts you negatively, and other people around you may not even realize it and know it, but it does. You need to grieve your losses. You cannot just repress the events and the emotions that have taken place in your life because if you do that, I promise you, they will show their heads and they will be ugly. You need to grieve them and process all of it with the Lord in prayer. Jesus did this. Jesus processed His losses with the Father in prayer. If Jesus needed to do it, How much so more do you think you and I need to grieve the losses that we've had in our lives with our Father in Heaven? If you're not doing that, you're not watching and guarding the inner person. You're not being on guard when it comes to your own heart and soul. Jesus did that. And we need to learn from that. I would encourage you to enter into that pain, those emotions with the Father so that He can start to do a work in you in those places. Yes, it hurts, but there's a tremendous amount of healing in life that comes out of that pain. So men, I know you didn't like that one. You should try preaching on it. Number two, turn the volume down and go to your place. What do you mean by that? Well, let's find out. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Yet the news about him, that's Jesus, spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. Pause. Don't read ahead. Some of you are reading ahead. You need to stop. We find Jesus in Luke chapter 5. He just healed somebody. And so what happens if somebody's healing somebody in town? Everybody else is going to go to them, right? I know it's not as bad as it used to be. You remember when Black Friday used to be funny but sad, right? You know, you had like 700 people out front of the store, and they were all there for the same item and the store only had three of the same item, but you had 700 people, and the doors would open. Everybody would run in. Some guy would get trampled like he's in the running of the bulls over in Italy, and people are just running over him, stepping on him all over the place. And then you find the grandmother who's like clinging on to this toy, and she's like beating people away with her cane. Remember those Black Fridays? We don't have them like we used to, but they were hilarious. Sad, but hilarious at the same time, right? Right? Picture those types of crowds around Jesus. Jesus, heal my kid. Heal my dad. Heal my mother in law. Jesus, heal me. And they're just coming. and Jesus, do this, do this. How would you feel if everybody was crowding around you like that? I would be the old lady with the cane beating everybody off. I know it does not sound pastoral, but it's true. Okay? It's true. How would you feel? A lot of you are like, oh, I can handle that for a little bit, but then I need to get out of Dodge. Well, surprisingly, let's finish reading our verse. Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Huh. What did Jesus do when all the peoples crowded around Him? Yes, He had compassion and love and served and healed. He did all those things. But I want you to see the other side of the coin this morning. Often. What does often mean? Frequently. I was waiting for somebody to go often. Right? Often means often. It's frequent. It's regular. Right? It's it's ongoing. Right? Uh, We know what often means. But what does he tell what does Luke tell us about Jesus? Often he would withdraw to lonely places. Ah, I love this verse. Get that. Lonely places. just goes, see ya. I gotta get out of here. But what did he do? Well, he scrolled Facebook. Nah. He binge-watched YouTube. No. He just looked at the trees. No. He listened to music. No. Prayed. Some of you will go to lonely places, but you won't pray. Men, dads, turn the volume down in your life. What do I mean by that? Ladies, this is true for you as well. You just might be doing some great stuff in your life, but you're running at 10 and you're going to explode. You're running at level 10 so much that you're not praying, resting, and recharging with the Father as you ought. You might be doing great stuff, but you're not connecting with God the way you ought to be. Not to mention, part of prayer is listening for God. Did you know that? Part of prayer is you stop talking and listening for God to talk to you. But it's hard to listen when the volume is up loud, isn't it? I'll be honest with you. Some of you have way too much going on in your lives. You're rushed. Your plate is too full. You always feel like you have to get this, that, and the other thing. And because of that, you're not connected to God. Do you ever see Jesus being rushed in the scriptures? Who accomplished more, Jesus or you? I'm not saying you've never done anything. Jesus did more in three years than you and I will do in a lifetime. He was never rushed. Never rushed. He was never living as though he was behind on things. Maybe it's because of prayer. Some of you are not truly connecting with the Father because your life is too loud, it's too busy, it's too full. You're trying to be a part of everything and in everything. Dads, your kids don't need to be in everything and at everything underneath the sun. Parents, don't groom your kids... Growing up thinking that they need every minute of their lives occupied by something and being in something because you're grooming them to be an adult that is filled with stress and thinking that life is only full if my life is completely busy all the time because you will raise your kids not to have time for God in their daily lives because they'll be too busy to bring God into it. Jesus' prayer life was this. He turned down the volume of all the noise around Him, and He went somewhere to pray. Do you? Do you have that quiet place that you can go to and pray? A closet, the basement, the attic, sitting in the car in the driveway, driving somewhere to sit and pray? Do you have a place like that to pray? I have kids. Yes! Yes! How many of you have ever heard of John Wesley? A lot of you have. How many of you heard of Charles Wesley, his brother? Some of you have. You just don't realize it because he, you've sung a lot of the hymns that his wrote. John and Charles are brothers. They had about 17 other siblings. I'll let you do the math. So mom had roughly 19 kids. Okay. Her name was Susanna. You know what Susanna Wesley would do? She would take a blanket, pull it over herself and pray. And when her kids saw mom was underneath the blanket, you leave mom alone. That's her quiet place. You need a place to go to. You need to be in prayer and you need to turn the volume down in your life so that you're able to truly connect with the Father. Men, you need that. Dad, you need that. Ladies, you need that. You need it. To watch and pray means to go, you know what, life is crazy. i got too much going on. i got a retreat. It's too loud. I need to step back from things. I need to take things out of my life, off my plate. I need to have boundaries and stick to those boundaries. I need a place that I go to and pray where I'm alone and it's quiet. That is watching and praying because you're guarding your relationship with the Father and you're praying about it. To watch and pray means that you're guarding against the inner battles that you're struggling with, that you don't want to process. Watching and praying means that you're guarding your prayer life with the Father and turning the volume down so that you could truly connect with God in prayer. But watching and praying also means this. Pray before making decisions. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I'm not going to try to make you feel guilty and tell you you need to pray all night long because Jesus did. He literally prayed all night long. I'm not going to do that. Some people in the church, they work all night long. You need to sleep so that you can go to work. I, I got that. I'm not telling you you have to stay up and pray from 11 at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. But you know what you know what You can do. Pray about it five minutes on Monday, five minutes on Tuesday, maybe ten minutes on Wednesday, five minutes. You could pray about it daily over a long period of time. Because you know what this section is doing? Jesus is just about ready to pick the 12 apostles. So his decision is God, Father, who are the 12 men that need to be the closest to me so that I can train and equip and send out into the world when I'm dead? Huge decision, right? Who are the 12 apostles? Jesus just didn't get up one morning, have His eggs and His toast and His coffee. Actually, I think Jesus drank tea. right? And then He goes, you know what? I'm going to pick you guys. You guys seem to fit the bill. No. Big decision, He prayed all night long. If Jesus prayed, if Jesus prayed about the decisions that He needed to make, what about you and I? Men? Fathers, when it comes to the decisions that you make in your life and in the life of your family, do you pray about them? Ladies, same question. Do you pray about it? Do you pray about what school to go to? Parents, you pray that God would direct your kids to what school they should go to? you pray about the new car? you pray about the project that you want to do at home? you pray about your money and how that's used? Do you pray about going on vacation? Not that God doesn't want you to go on vacation, but is it the right time? is the right place. Dads, here's one. Dad, do you pray about who your kids will date and marry? I've been doing that for 15 years. I've already been praying about the spouses of my kids. I've been doing that for a long time. Dads, do you do that? Well, my kids are already married. What about your grandchildren? Do you pray about their spouses? Well, they're like five. Yeah, I know, but wouldn't it be nice to have 25 years of prayer going into the marriage for your grandchildren? To watch and pray, to pray like Jesus, is to watch and go, okay. Okay. I need to make this decision, and I need to make that decision, and this needs to be done, and that needs to get done. Let me pray about it. Are you praying about the decisions in your life? Because if you're not watching and praying about the decisions that you're making in your life, guess what? Your decision-making process is unguarded. And guess who looks for unguarded opportunities in your life to attack you? Satan. Your decision-making process, you need to be watching and on guard for. You need to be praying about it. Every decision, well, that seems too small. Not in the eyes of God. Last one. And don't worry, this will be quick and we'll close. Teach prayer by showing prayer. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. You could also find this in Luke chapter 11 because the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, we read this Once when Jesus was praying in private, once another time he was praying by himself. And his disciples were with him. Jesus asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? Notice that Jesus is praying in private, but the disciples are with him. So I'm not exactly sure how this is private prayer when he's with other people. Jesus is praying so that the other disciples can see him and hear him. What is Jesus doing? He's teaching them to pray and how to pray by Him praying. Do you get that? I taught Josiah how to cut the grass. Josiah could cut the grass at our house and over here at the church when he was eight years old by himself starting the lawnmower. He learned that by watching me and me teaching him through actions and in words. And that's what Jesus is doing. You teach other people by you praying. So they could see how you pray. They could hear how you pray and what you pray for. If you don't know how to pray, get around people who pray and listen to them. Learn from them. We need dads teaching their kids how to pray. And the greatest way for a dad to teach their kid how to pray is for them to pray with them. We need men modeling and showing what prayer is by praying. I mean, I'm supposed to pray publicly and out loud? Yes! Why? Because Jesus did it. And it's good. By doing that, you're guarding the next generation. You're guarding the next generation because you're teaching them and showing them how to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. He watched and prayed. Are you? Jesus calls you and I to the same thing. That we would be women, a mom, men, dads, whatever the case may be, that we would watch and pray. Fathers, let me leave you with this. there's any legacy that you want to leave behind, Leave the legacy of being a man, a dad, who loved Jesus and was a man of prayer. The greatest legacy you'll ever leave behind. In order to do that, you need to watch and pray. Because that's what Jesus did. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for all that You are. Father, I pray that You'd help us to be men and women of prayer That we'd be watching and that we would be praying. That Jesus, that we would learn from You and how You prayed, what Your prayer life looked like. We pray that You'd work in our lives in this way, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.